You're listening to the Crestcore Real Estate Hour. Now, here's your host, Dean Harris. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Crestcore Real Estate Hour. I am your host, Dean Harris. I'm with Crestcore Realty over on Summer Avenue. I appreciate you guys tuning in this morning. Uh, if you're tuning in on Facebook Live, we appreciate you uh, you joining us there. We post the shows um, after we're finished here every week onto the Facebook page. But uh, truthfully, if you want to catch everything that we've got, everything that we've done, go to our YouTube channel, The Crest Core Real Estate Hour. Uh, you can you can check everything out there and, and listen at your own leisure and at your own pace. Uh, the Crest Core Real Estate Hour concentrates on investing in Memphis and West Tennessee real estate, and we will focus on all related topics. Uh, I'll discuss uh, local and national investment trends as well as give you an inside look at what it takes to become an investor here in Memphis and West Tennessee and what it uh, or what it takes to become a bigger and better investor if you're already in that business. Uh, remind you guys every single show that I am an investor. So if you have that old home that you need to sell quickly, uh, shoot me an email, dean at crestcore.com. That's dean at crestcore.com. And I will get you a cash offer on that on that home today. I don't care what kind of shape it's in, where it's at, what it looks like. Um, I can I can get it sold for you. So uh, shoot me that email at dean at crestcore.com. Um, Investments of the week are going to be posted um, on the CrestCoreRealty.com website. So go to www.CrestCoreRealty.com. Uh, it's a new website. It's flashy and pretty and shiny and uh, useful. So uh, you guys go check that out, www.CrestCoreRealty.com. Um, and CrestCore is C-R-E-S-T-O-R-E. C-O-R-E-S-T-C-O-R-E Realty.com On to the English lesson (laughs) Spelling lesson Yeah, it's grammar It's grammar (laughs) hour Uh, (laughs) uh, Last week on the show we talked about uh, We had Russ Alt, our COO of Crest Core Realty He came on and discussed uh, The top 10 questions that people ask property managers Uh, We answered those questions pretty thoroughly Um, Got a pretty good message out um, for all of our, um, you know, clients that ask questions about management, which to be honest with you, I get a ton of, I get a ton of those management questions. I can answer a few, but what I typically do is end up sending them over to Russ and, and have him answer them. So I'm glad we've got that on video. Now you can go to the YouTube channel, the Crest Core real estate hour and check that out. Um, great show. Good feedback from it too. But today, uh, let's dive right into this. Dan Butler with Crest Scores with me. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Fired up after a good yeah. weekend in Dallas. And yeah. All right. Good. I'll be interested yeah. to hear about that. Yeah. We, um, today we're going to talk about top ten questions or top twelve, thirteen, however many we've got here to ask your real estate broker when your your investment agent. Uh, I think there's a distinct difference between a residential real estate agent and an investment agent. Mm-hmm. Um, we just specialize in two different things. You know, it'd be like, in my opinion, it's like going to if you're a million dollar home buyer, you know, and you ask that agent pool and talk to them versus a first time home buyer agent pool and you talk to them, they're just going to have different insights and opinions. So, uh, as to what they specialize in. So today let, let's get into that. But first you want to talk about Dallas. Tell me what all, what all you did down there. No, I just think, you know, we, 50 different investors all over the country came and, uh, it was just real interesting because the, the, the sentiment's the same across the country. There's no houses foreclosures at all time low interest rates are some of the lowest they've been in you know, decades still continue to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but people are still figuring out ways to make money in real estate. Yeah. So, um, you know, my biggest lesson is like, just stay focused, be passionate, be driven yeah. and just pick your lane and get after it. Whatever yeah. that is, whether it's buy and hold wholesaling, flipping, you know, there's guys that were doing three, still doing 300 houses a year. Mm-hmm. in Arizona and California. I mean, just... I don't see any any down... I mean, I hear residential real estate agents mm-hmm. say, hey, it's tough to find properties mm-hmm. to show my clients. I hear yeah. that. I am I am not... And, you know, of course, I'm not just saying this from a sales you know, standpoint mm-hmm. or, or tactic. I'm not seeing a slowdown. We had mm-hmm. our... I mean, you know this. We had a record month in June. Yeah. The I biggest mean, month we've ever had. Biggest month we've ever had in Which sales. Big, I, you know, I attribute that. Some of that... It goes back to my first three words I said about... The kind of summarizing Dallas, focused, yeah, passion, drive, putting our systems, processes, technology, yeah, I mean, that was a big key thing. People, process, and technology was a big, you know, 
kind of which we do that in the broker i mean we're streamlining we're streamlining everything. everything trying to get it our new website you can go in and make an offer on the website you don't even have to talk to me if you don't want to if you know everything about the home make your offer on the website we can get everything processed and and um countering and you know um, ratified and everything electronically it's crazy so i mean it just feel like it's weird how it's come so far since like we first started you know i was thinking about when you were talking about the, our topic for today about investment agents i was like when i first started you had people that did it, but they almost, they, but they still, they just dabbled. Yeah. That was just one bucket that they, that they had, that they had, they would help you and they kind of understood it. You know, I talked to, I was on a, a Lyft driver and you know, I don't know how good a, a, an agent would be. That's also doing Lyft. I don't know if that's yeah. an oxymoron, but she was talking about how she just didn't want to work with investors. She goes, ah, I've had a few, but it's so hard. And you know, <laughs> you know, that's what I'm, I was like, well, that's an opportunity. Yeah. You know, like I was yeah. like, when she's like, I, I don't think she realized what she was saying. Like, yeah. she's like, I, I just don't even deal with them. And I'm like, I wish we were in Dallas and so send them our way. But can I be, can know. I tell you, I, I got a, a, re, a response to that. I, I think the complete polar opposite. Mm. I, I love dealing with investors for in, in versus a person buying a home. A, a, well, yeah, they're all emotional. Emotional. The people buying the home for their oh, family yeah. and it's a big decision. My yeah. investors are cut and dry. It's a yeah, business. Right. Does this work or does this not work? Are the numbers there or are yeah. they not there? Yep. Is the home in good condition or is it not? Right. I mean, it's cut and dry. My investors love it that we shoot them straight. It's my personality anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I, I that's good for that's maybe why she's a Lyft driver though. And, and yeah, but I mean, the there's just not that except for Turnkey. There's not many, you know, and that's why I thought this topic today was so so good to talk through. Mm-hmm. So if you are trying the Burr strategy. Yeah, which is what we try to do. The you know buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat, rinse and repeat. Yep. You know that uh, you need to find the right agent, and you know you just don't want somebody out there you know slinging offers. That's like it. It would be the comparison if you're listening and you're you're a homeowner. If you do have a say, you own a home that's worth two million bucks or or even five hundred thousand. I mean, like you wouldn't want to be asking a brand new agent that's only been selling hundred thousand dollar homes, mm-hmm. how to sell your home. You, they just don't know. Right. Um, same thing with this. If you, if you're talking to a real estate agent that has not, that, that does not have extensive experience. I don't mean like they've had a few transactions, but I mean, extensive experience. Um, it's to me, it's you're going down the wrong path. This is not one of the questions, but I we'll get to it. And it's one of the first ones. Let's dive into this. Yeah. One of the first questions I would ask if I'm, if I'm a consumer buyer and I'm coming into a market and I'm, I'm asking real estate agents, you know, interview type questions. The very Mm -hmm. first one I would ask is, do you own rental property yourself? Mm. Yeah. Do you own rental property? Do you do, are you, do you buy into what you're selling and, um, you know, are you in this game with me or are you just selling me a product? It's a, and my answer is always, yes, I've got a, you know, smaller portfolio, but I've got some rental property and, uh, I go through the daily grind of trying to take care of those and go, you know, through that every day. So to me, uh, ask that real estate agent if they own rental property, what their experience is, how long they've owned it. Um, well, I think. That I mean, I, I I love that you brought that up because I feel like that's going to drive the rest of this conversation. Because if you if yes, you own a property, your answer is going to look like this. If no, they're going to look one way. They're going to look a whole different way. And you don't want that answers. You, no. you don't want that whole streamline of answers of I've never owned it, so I'm just answering by the book questions. Right. You want experience level questions of I've gone through this. I've yeah. you know this is my response, and I you know I'm I'm this. You know, ally or asset to you. And to tangent that, I mean, I think you need that with your turnkey provider. If you use, if you do believe in turnkey, yeah. Does your turnkey provider buy their own houses? Hey man, I, you know? I would wonder how many of ours do. I mean, I don't want to name handful, any names, but I handful. I have a few people. A, most of them don't. Most of them turnkey is the business, and so the business is making money by buying, adding the value, and selling it at a premium. Mm-hmm. But same thing, property management. I feel like I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe that's what separates us from others. From others is that until Douglas and I can get everything 100% collected, 100% leased, and zero maintenance, which you know, in my manufacturing, flip that to me, I always kind of quote it to my manufacturing days of zero injuries. Mm-hmm. That's the pinnacle. Yeah. All right. So what does that mean? That means that we're driving for perfection yep. every day. We're not going to settle. We don't just settle in and we get into cruise control. You know, because we got banks that are, you know, 
on us like white on rice, you know, for financials and debt to service ratios and, you know, covenants. And there's all kinds of stuff that people don't realize. If you want to know the motivation, you know, number one, pride, you know, sure. For like competitive people, for competitive people, we want to do the best job we can personally. Like if we don't, I feel like we've, you know, cheated the system, cheated the system, let let, let myself down that we didn't, you know, do the best we could. But, you know, behind that close second or third is just, you know, We've got to perform if we want to keep our assets. So, you know, you and I are having this radio, yeah, we're having this radio show. People are collecting for us, collecting for you, doing our maintenance calls, doing all that stuff while we're sitting here having this radio show. And that's that's important to me for people to recognize, like that that, to to think through that when you're interviewing people. Yeah, not talking about going with us. I'm just trying to give a broad. Oh, this isn't specialized towards us. No, I mean, I I didn't direct this towards me. I mean, I I certainly want to work with everybody that listens and talk to, but I understand that there's other agents that do this. I would just really encourage you to go through these questions and find out these answers. I hadn't thought about it this way, but if you're uh, uh, an agent thinking about doing an investment property and thinking about, you know, getting in this, then this is something you need to think about (laughs) how to set yourself up to be able to answer this and help the client in in these ways that we're going to talk about, you know, coming up. Let's dive right into this. The first one I would ask is, you know, when's the last time the property sold and, and, and what did it, you know, what it sell for? What it sell for? You had a great yeah. point yesterday when we were kind of reviewing this a little bit. You know, multifamily is the biggest kicker mm-hmm. or, or the biggest tell. If you there's a multifamily property in the last four years, it's traded hands four or five times. There's a problem. There's something yeah. that is not clicking with the property that four other people have seen. Now maybe the first one bought it cheap, value add, and Sold flipped it. it. Yeah. That's fine. But if it's if it's turned around and sold every ten to fourteen months after there for you know for the last four or five years, there's an issue yeah, there's, somewhere somehow. There's there's something wrong. I always think about some apartments, you know, off you know, in three one one two that, I mean, they changed hands in the last twelve years. They've changed hands five times. So that's a red flag. So somebody should go to the Sessor site, look at that data, really dive in and say, okay, like when when we were hot and heavy buying individual houses, mm-hmm. you know. One of my favorite things to see was somebody that owned it for 30 years. Like I was buying a house from somebody that owned it for 20, 30, you know what I mean? Like that's right. Just that, that just they showed, enjoyed it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. The neighborhood was okay. I yep. mean, you know, I, I never want to speak in absolutes. You know, that's one of my you know, yeah. things, but <laughs> it, it was a key indicator for, Hey, this could be a good deal. If that same person's owned it for, you know, 15, 20, 30, especially 30 plus years. I mean, that just, they're just retiring. They're getting out of it. And it's yeah, done. And it's just, been a good asset for them, and they would have sold it. Right. Or if it's somebody that's a homeowner that was selling it, that was also a good indication yep. they were able to, you know, weather all kinds of recessions and stay in it that long. You know, and the, the neighborhood's probably decent if they stayed that long. You know, if, mm-hmm. I would think most of us, if it got gang infested or boarded up, we would try to sell it and move try on. Try to sell it. Yeah. Most states are um, disclosure states. You can find out how often a, a property is traded. Some mm-hmm. states are not. Mississippi, really? I know, is not. You can't see that in Mississippi? It's a non-disclosure state, man. You really? Can, you cannot see um, how many times or not. Now, you can go digging on the MLS sometimes. You can see it there. But if it's an arms-length transaction that did not go through the MLS or an agent, it's hard. It's extremely hard to find out um, what it sold for and when. So check that out. It's a lot of public record what, uh, that, that you can find it. What about, you know, the amounts that it traded for and and kind of two part like the previous owners. What does that tell you? What 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 kind of pops out in your mind when you hear that? Or when look I hear at that? what that what it's traded for? What's traded for? Like what's the sales price? You know, been in the last several transactions, and what about the owner? Does that you know being an LLC versus husband and wife? Does that mean anything to you? Or? Yeah, a little bit because I can you know. I've gotten to where I know the wholesalers LLC names, so I can kind of figure out, mm. you know, hey, this is this property was wholesaled. It was, um, you know, sold to this person. They clearly fixed it up, sold it here. See, Tennessee is a disclosure state, so we've got all of this mm-hmm. information: sales prices, the kind of loan. I mean, right. I can, you know, if you sit down with a calculator and you go to somebody's home, I can figure out if they made every payment what they owe on it right mm-hmm. now. So, there, there's a you know, in, in Tennessee and in Memphis, you know, specifically, there is a way you can find all that out. What it means to me, I mean, if it's if it's traded and gone from wholesalers to investor to investor to investor, it's the same thing about a multifamily. It's like, hey, there's something with this one that's not that's not clicking with me. Mm-hmm. But if I had a guy that bought it ten years ago and 
he's you know kept it for 10 years and it's in a solid you know uh, area and community then i think you know it's probably an okay property if everything else checks out for you but i definitely go and check especially if i'm buying for myself i go and look and see the last time the property sold and what it was and um, you know what they bought it for now what you can't get wrapped up in is if somebody bought a home and they're flipping it to you you can't get wrapped up in a profit you know you can't mm. you can't get wrapped up in oh they only bought this for 20 they're selling it for 65 well guy you don't know what they did to it the value is still there i mean you can't get wrapped up in that but yeah so that's i mean i, I definitely go and look at uh, what it sold for and, and to who and to why you know i think and to, to your point you know looking at a house that sold you know say 10 years ago for 50 Five years ago, it was 70, and now it's 30. <laughs> All right? So low, high, and then real low, what's going on, right? Yeah. Is it recession? Is it in bad shape? You know, and the flip side, what if it's low, lower, and then spikes up? You know, right. still looks like a good deal on paper, but... What's going on with the area? You, you, both of those, you got to peel back the onion. What's going on with the area? What's going on with that house? You know, are there other issues that we need to be aware of? You Anything know? that's sold that I look at the MLS or the tax records that sold from 2008 to 2011, I kind of give it a, man, that was caught up in the recession, the downturn mm-hmm. of the market. Hey, it only sold for 15 there. Now it's selling for 50. You know, that's that's not unheard of. Still could be a great property, 750 mm-hmm. rental, whatever it may be, and I think you're okay. But um, if, you, if, if you look back into some of those years, you're going to get some different numbers. I, I mean, for sure. And I, I, I don't know, I, I struggle with this, but I mean, if you saw houses that were, you know, you saw it sold 25,000 in 2012 yep. and now it's 70, I, I don't know if that, you know, did it really recover that much? You're probably buying sense? somebody's profit. You're right? buying somebody's profit. That's just a red flag to stick out. Why is it that much gap? Yeah. And then try to really dig in on houses beside it, you know, to your point, I mean, kind of further than what you're saying, like if you're at the Cessar site or even Zillow, mm-hmm. you can click on the next house. You can typically find out. So go to the next house and one, you know, two or three down both ways, and then dig into the Cessar site on both of the, all That's those right. houses. That makes sense. And like, it could don't be, just stick to that one house. No, like, you're right, and it could certainly be that that market has changed and it's yeah. improving, and then this is the value, and then this is what it's worth now. You could definitely find that out. But yes, but if you see one guy or one company or one lady that's buying that's bought all five of them in a row and the number's done the same, like then you probably need to go across the street and one block over and just really make sure there's not something funky going on, going on. So right. just, just, and that's, and so what that's what you're going to ask. That's, I was going to say your agent could help you on that to, you know, go check out the street and, you know, get some calling around and asking for some that's right. you know, inside knowledge of the areas and that's right. of the players who's, who's making that, you know, mm-hmm. some of our friends have made single handedly turned over Frazier. You know, and that's <laughs> like single handedly, single handedly. So, I mean, yeah. think that, uh, that, and that's a great thing. So, yeah. but even within Frazier, you need to rely on us, yeah. you know, not me specifically, but yeah. you know, your agent yeah. to tell you there's parts of Frazier I, I, I've invested in and I won't invest again. North Haven specifically. North Haven's one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, West of 51. Um, anything West uh, of 51 or 61. You just got anything off of school field. You got I, street specific. Oh man, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just, I, you know, my very first property was oh one was two thousand one was up there. So not on Schoolfield, but up off New Island and Warford, and um, I just know some of those streets. You just don't, uh, you know, unless something's drastically changed. Yeah. You know, just don't mess with it right now. So my so. my my guide and gauge for that area, and we'll move on to the next one. Yeah. Is you know, we send it over to our buddy up there that does all those and he'll come back and say, man, mm. we can't touch it. I know for sure it's it's an untouchable area. Gotcha. If you our friendly competitors won't touch friendly it. Friendly competitors yeah. that are that are turnkey guys, even in that lower value market, yeah. if they're like, Dean, I, I can't, I can't take do that. It. Then we don't need to be in there. I don't need to be anywhere near that. Because those guys take, not chances, but they're, they're, much, uh, they're much more, I guess, aggressive and – bold in some of these areas and if they say no then you know it's you know it's a a no good so you know i think one thing that kind of going back to high level like for an agent to understand and uh, from their role to me it's almost like a financial advisor no no or it is a financial it is yeah no i'm I'm an asset manager for people i'm a financial advisor i help build wealth oh yeah. yeah because if you 
I mean, I had this conversation. I'm, I, I get into it, that conversation at least twice, if not three times a week, with somebody that's buying a $25,000 house for six fifty rent. and Want to know if it's a good deal. Want to know if it's a good deal. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. You know, yes, it's a great deal. <laughs> yes, but. You but you better be ready for this. But you better be ready for blah, blah, blah. You know, like evictions, late pays, maintenance. You know, and as long as you want. And my, my whole thing is like, if you buy it right, you know, again, advising. Yep. You know, without. I, I, we, we try not to tell people what to do. You know, we want them to make their own decision. Yes. But we just try to. That's to, one thing I don't do. And, and our team, my team does mm-hmm. not do is tell you, hey, go buy this. Yeah. I'm, I use this. This saying and Brooke and Randall laugh at me all the time, but I, I'm because they hear me on the phone. I was like, Mr. Investor, we turn into a chameleon for you. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is your goal is, whatever it is your product is, whatever it is, I'm, I think it's my obligation and duty as a licensed real estate agent to find you the best deal mm-hmm. in that product. I will give you advice on what I do and don't like about certain areas, but if you say, hey, I'm a multifamily buyer, well, I, well right now I'm not. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's a great idea, but I'm currently not a multifamily buyer. But I, I can give you some good ideas and where to go and what not to do. Right. I don't buy in Frazier. But if you're insisting on buying in Frazier, well, then we've got to be east of 51. Mm-hmm. It needs to be brick. It needs to be a 3-2. And it mm-hmm. needs to be as close to 38128 as we can get to. I mean, it needs to be right up against right. it. So there's advice that I can give you that I that maybe I don't do that you can, you know, that uh, and that again, I can help you with those areas and, and, and at least guide you. Um, and it's interesting, interesting, even with that term, guide you and help you. Like, we're not saying don't buy no. west of 51. No, or I'm just telling you, be prepared. Be prepared. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, just know that there could be some issues. That's right. And so, you want to make that decision? We'll go with it together. We're going to help try to make you sure you buy it right. So, that, which goes into our next question what's the exit strategy? Yeah. How do you. If this all goes to, I mean, we got this, we just literally were talking about this right before the radio station. Somebody gets in a bad situation. They need to know how to get how out. How do we get out? How do we help them? This is the next two questions. What's the extra strategy and how do I get out? Yeah. I mean, I got a you know, client right now that in a bad spot, bought something, you know, used up their capital, you know, has got a new business started up. I mean, a lot of factors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, the, the property came without leases and... Um, document a lot of documentation. Looked like it was full and things were going well. Closed on it. Closed on it. And it's just not doing well. Bottom fell up. So we've got to be able to help our clients get out of that situation. And what does that look like? So well, we bought it right. So the good news is, is if he wants to sell, we can sell it and get it out. That's right. That's why I never advise. And I, you know, I know this makes you cringe because we've got turnkey friends, <laughs> but I don't ever advise advise buying a turnkey product. It's mm. extremely hard property to exit out of under 10 years. Seven oh. for sure. I mean, I mean, that's where you, I mean, I agree with you whatsoever. It's just, yeah, there's, again, as an advisor, as long as you advise them, like, hey, yeah. you probably can't sell this for 10 years. Yeah. And you might, if you have to, you might take a loss. Yeah. You know, if it's kind of okay like, with that. If you're okay with that. Be oh, prepared for that, then that's fine. Yeah. Then turnkey does serve a purpose. It does have, it does have its ups. Mm-hmm. Very passive. We don't have to go through all that, but it does have its ups. But as long as you're aware of it and you know it, then that's fine. But I don't yeah. ever advise. If you ask me what I, you know, then again, I think you should ask for the opinion of your agent. Sure. It's just an opinion. You know, we all, we've all got them. Right? Yeah, you but got I, plenty. Yeah, I do have a few. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Boy, you love it, don't you? Man? I do. Those six yeah. Like meetings, popcorn. <laughs> you just throw in the popcorn and you're watching the show unfold. Yeah. Um, but you know, you get that. Just going back to like. Your house or apartment or what? Let's stick with the house for exa- this example. Yeah. Can you sell at retail? You know, yeah. I've had that. You know, like from an exit strategy. All right, you buy it right. You know, they won't know what can I do. Well, if you put five thousand into it, we can get it rented and sell it as, as an economic value. Yeah. Property where it's got a you know say seven to ten percent return depending on the area. Yeah. Or, hey, we can help guide you and put fifteen thousand in this property. Yeah. And sell at retail, and you might can make a profit. That's right. You know, so. Knowing your exit strategy or how, you know, part of that exit strategy is how, how are you going to sell it? You know, so. How, what's your marketing to sell it? Yeah, what's your marketing? What's, what's. You're helping me buy all these, Dean, but can you sell them? Absolutely. Right. I've got 75 listings. We sell our listings every day. This right. is exactly how we do it. Yeah. yeah. No. How, how would you get rid of it if I'm stuck? Yeah. Because life happens. I mean, I get that question all the time. Like, do you think there's a you know, good time to buy? And, you know, do you think the there's no more houses? I'm like, man. Life happens. 
death, always gonna happen. divorce, disability, you know, job. Uh, I mean, you name it. There's reasons, you know, mental breakdown. I mean, that, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Just life happens. So there's always going to be an exchange of real estate. That's right. Uh, the next one that I would ask is, would you buy this deal yourself? Would you put your own money in it? And that's a, I, I take a lot, a lot of pride mm-hmm. in the houses that I send out to clients. I don't just get a property from a, a, a property source, get it, and then turn around and forward it to 500 clients that we've gotten sold to over the past three years. Mm-hmm. I just don't do that. I mm-hmm. think, I think what that would turn into is, and this is way more labor intensive what I'm doing. It's way easy just to click forward and blind copy every investor you've ever sold to. I get very specific on what they're looking for, what their buying criteria has been. So when you get an email from me in your email box, I've thought about it. I've researched it. I've, I've confirmed the data that I can confirm up front. And this is a property that you told me you were looking for in the past. Now mm-hmm. it could have changed since the last time we spoke, but we always ask at the bottom, if your criteria has changed, please let us know so we can update your profile. I'm not trying to send you 25, 30 properties a week that you've got zero interest in. I'd rather mm-hmm. send you none for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then on that third week, send you two that you want, that you, that you've asked about that you're interested in. So, I'm giving you some substance. So yeah. back to the to question is, would you put your own money in it? I, I, in the same breath, I say, I would buy this if I had the means or if I was ready or if I, you know, this is a good deal. Mm-hmm. So yes, I take a lot of pride in the only houses that I send out would be houses that I would buy myself. I don't yeah. send out junk. Junk. I don't yeah. send it out. You know, I mean, unless, unless you've told me, Hey, I'm looking for some junk. <laughs> Yeah. I'm looking for five thousand dollar properties in bad areas so I can put ten into it and sell it for twenty five. Right. Then I'm then I'll send you that stuff. But if you I think you would tell them you wouldn't buy it yourself. I would say I would most certainly not buy this. Right. I would not fool with this. I would not do it. Right. However, if this is your agenda and your goal and what you're trying to do, then here I you know we'll help you. That will yeah. help you. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good question. I mean, I think you, you put your money where your mouth is. And, Absolutely. You know, then on the same thing, it's like if you do own rental property, how does this compare to uh the ones you bought. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. how does this compare? Like, is this a similar area, similar price range? And the answer and that, might be no. It might be no. Yeah. That's right. The answer could be no, it's not. I yeah. buy You've chosen a box product, of $50,000 yeah. house for yeah. $700 to $800 rent. And yeah. we have some clients that want, you know, $1,000 rent. So that's just going to be a totally different uh, price range and, uh, that's right. you know, areas and all that stuff. So, yes, no, that, the answer would be no at that point. But. Uh, I, this next question is kind of a setup question a little bit because there's so many answers, but what's the worst thing that can happen to me in this deal? I, I tell everybody the, the the absolute worst thing that can happen to you when you buy an investment property is that it can burn down and someone dies. Man, you're extreme. Well, that's you're asking me. Yeah, That's the absolute worst possible thing that could happen to you is that you buy it, it catches fire, and there's a fatality in the in the house. Now you've got insurance, you got property insurance, and you've got liability, liability coverage. coverage, and you've got things that you're going to have that we has, you know, we get you to do to set up on the front end. Yeah, but that's the worst. So uh, if you really want to come into things that could are way more likely to happen versus that, uh, your, your tenant vamps on you, they tear up the house on the way out. Yeah, you know that's that's more likely to happen than a fire and a death. But if so, take that away. To me, the worst thing that can happen is that the tenants in there. Something happens, they're they're upset, and they tear out the home, strip it down, you know, and leave the property with, you know, no rent coming mm-hmm. in, and now you got a now you got a big rehab that's coming up. So, then I guess the the, and I'm glad you said the extreme, like the burn down and all that stuff, because that happens, you know, Dan. I it mean, does. Like, you know, no, no, unfortunately, I, my first apartment burned, burned down, seven units. I sold of, my mom one three years ago. First thing, yeah, six I remember weeks that. Later, burnt to the ground. I like Christmas time too. I remember yes. that. That was terrible. Burnt to the ground. But I think that to me, to your point, the end, what's the worst thing that happened to me in this deal? It's like get sued, which that, comes right. out of that the, situation. Because mm-hmm. I think to me, a fire. If you're, you know. Again, that leads to guidance from us to put you with the right strategic partners. Do you have a right coverage? Mm-hmm. You know, all that kind of stuff. That, that we're going down a rabbit hole there with you know all that. But being able to guide you and help you in that, mm-hmm. make sure your agent can help you get those answers. What kind of insurance do I need? You know, what's a good person that does commercial insurance and you know umbrella policies and mm-hmm. liability coverage? But then, you know, 
fire, say the fire happens or say, just say the tenant turnover is just tremendous. Yep. You know, just can't keep the tenant in. To me, the worst thing is, you know, on that side is you, you, you have to start paying the note. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, if you got do a you have those- reserves, you know? So then it's like, all right, what's the worst can happen to that? It's like, well, you could just let the bank have it back. Right. You know, let's go to the extreme of what happens to you personally through this experience. Like, yeah. You get foreclosed on, your credit's messed up for seven years, yeah. you know, but, you know, your home's okay and blah, 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 because yeah. you put an LLC. Yeah. So, the, the, you know, I think that people just got to be prepared to, or, I mean, again, I think that's our job is like, you know, the, like the guy I texted this morning, I gave him five or six options of, there's, this isn't just a one or done yeah. kind of situation. There's There's options. Go get bank to modify your note. You know, sell it at a fire, quote unquote fire, not a real fire sale. <laughs> yeah. You know, but if you bought it for fifty, I, I, I think you and I can move that house at you know thirty tomorrow, for sure. For you know what I that's, mean? Like, that's your worst. Case that's your worst. You know, and all these things we're talking about today, guys, are about being prepared. You know, we're right. just trying to prepare you. We're just trying. The questions that you should ask, or these are all questions that you need to ask of your agent, so you are prepared. That's right. You Help might you not think ever through. have a fire. You, you right. could go. I mean, you've had you know a dozen probably, but. Right, but I mean, you got a large portfolio. Some well, people statistics. that statistics, yeah, right. And numbers, time. you're going to have more. Right, you're <laughs> just going to have more of those things. But yeah. um, so, so you know, would you put this money in here? Last, that was the last question. Then, what's the worst thing that can happen? So we we just cover that. And what's the best thing that can happen? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, best thing that can happen is your tenant stays, doesn't break it, pays rent on the first of every month. You pay off your loan that you've got in ten years, and now your cash flow, and you own the property. Our be- our best from just doing this since two thousand one. Our best scenarios is, are when when a tenant's been there say five years, and yeah, we've replaced a roof and maybe an HVAC system, yeah. but that five years consistency is huge. Yeah, you know, so that's you know when you're talking to you know that that goes into more property management, but just yeah, the the best thing that can happen is like you find the right asset. So you know when I get that question of how do you so then a follow-up would be like, how do you get those best case scenarios? Yeah. So right. th- can an agent answer that? Do they know, you know, if they I tell you, if they that. tell you, oh, well, if you got 500 dollars rental, there's no way you could go wrong because you're getting, you know, <laughs> the note's only 150 bucks. Let me tell you folks. Bro, you can go you wrong. You can go wrong. <laughs> so if you ever have an investment agent say you can't go wrong here. Right. That's, run a, that's a red hills. flag. Run for the hills. Because there isn't a property that you can buy that can't go wrong. Yeah. You could buy the most pristine and shape conditioned property with the most qualified credit scored mm-hmm. job having tenant and it can go wrong. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, you could have the lowest rate on the loan, the friendliest banker, the lenient, most lenient bank, and it could go south. As a matter of fact, I'd say that one is going to go south. It's, it's too good to be true. Too good, it's yeah. too good to be true. There's something that's going to happen with that one. So what's the best thing that can happen to me in that deal? Uh, I think really the best thing is that um, mild repairs, mm-hmm. tenant that pays on the first every month. Right. That's a that's a dream. First every month. Tenant only calls in necessary maintenance orders. Right. Not, it's a responsible tenant. Is yeah. loose. Responsible tenant. The tenant takes care of your home. They change their own air air filters. They're there. That, that's that's to me the best case scenario. And 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 really, it's like sitting down at a blackjack table, and it's like, how long is this going to last? You mm-hmm. just got to ride it till it go, and then when it goes bad, just prepare yourself and just be ready. So, I think that's to me that that's the, what the best thing that can happen. Yeah, and then I'd say gravy on that would be it. You got an area that appreciates yeah. more than average. You know, Memphis is a two to three percent city. Yep. But as we know, you know, most areas in the city were, you know, according to Wendy and Greenlaw Chandler reports told us it was 10% plus yep. over across the board. So did you pick an area that, that, you know, like Colonial Acres or some, somewhere that can turn to retail, yeah. you know, or somewhere that's getting gentrified, yeah. meaning it's on the cusp of, it's still in quote unquote a bad or not so desirable, but it's on the cusp. Yeah. So, you know, but there's a ton of risk on that. So then you, you know. You're talking more about the downside than you are the upside, That's I think. Right. And if your mind and your 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 wallet and yeah. your willpower can overcome the downside, mm-hmm. you know, issues, um, you're there for the upside. So, what 
what do you personally like and don't like about this deal? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, get their opinion. Find out, find out what they do and don't like. I mean, you know, Mr. Agent Dean, what what do you like about this house in three eight one one eight? What what what's what do you what do you, what is it that attracts you to this house? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the it's a brick home. It's three two. Yeah, um, it's it's near the airport, which we have a ton of jobs. It's uh, got a tenant that's been paying on time every month for the last eighteen months. Right. Um, those are the things that I like. What do you don't like? Uh, there, you know, speaking of another house, maybe I, it's a, it's got siding. You're going to have some mm. some consistent maintenance. It looks like the HVAC's been you know over ten years old. Um, this tenant's been late five times out of the last twelve. You're just gonna. Those are some of the downsides. I mean, the areas there's not a whole lot of commerce around here. Right. There's not very many jobs. It's near our river, and, uh, and that's a bad area to be in. And, right. Um. It, uh, I can tell you know from our own man. You know, sometimes when we manage it. It's had a new tenant every year for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Well, I, is there something wrong with that home that people don't want to be in that area? You know, maybe that's it. Or, you know, what do you do like? Well, that the tenant here's been here three years, late a couple times, but they're not leaving. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's some there's some things that it you know that you should want to hear, you know, from your agent on what they do and don't like. Be able to talk through that intelligently versus just guessing or. Oh well, yeah, it's well. a good price, and these comps. See, the worst thing I, <laughs> the, if you if you here's the biggest red flag, if you're asking an agent what they like about it, and they go to the comps, straight to the comps, straight yeah. to the comps, yeah. just run for the hills, man, because all yeah. they're doing is getting on the MLS and looking at the market over there. They got no experience in that area. They probably have no experience in investing in real estate. Because the last thing I go to is the comps. Right. We don't buy based off of market value in most cases. We're buying off what the rent is in that area. Uh, the condition of the home and what's what's surrounding it, not what you know the comp, the re- residential retail comps. They're literally trying to sell you something at that point. Which actually fits in well with our next question: How would you underwrite this deal? You know, like right? Are you doing like how often are you seeing market appraisal versus economic, mm-hmm. or you know, rent value appraisal or e- you know, economic value? What's what's how you know how are you helping the investors underwrite it? What's what's y'all's uh, I go to, I go to the rent market. I go to the condition. Um, I try to figure out, I, 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 based off of different investors, I go to different, different things, what they're looking for. This one's looking for this, this, and this. So let's, I value that a little bit more based on mm-hmm. them. Again, back to that chameleon thing. I kind of turn into what they are, but if, I, I go to, I don't buy tenants. Right. Okay. So I mean, I I try to stress that to investors, and man, that's a, that's a big, that's a not a rub, but that's a big conversation. Is well, that tenants, you know, they've been late for four years, or you know, or four times in the last year. Yeah. You know what? So what? Mm-hmm. It's a brick home. It's three two. It's over in the perfect area. It's uh, there's no major damage. Look at the pictures right here. So let's a victim. Mm-hmm. You don't buy the tenant. So I just depending on what they're talking about, I, I go through a, a checklist like that. You know, does, the, does the loan structure play into that at all? Um, 30-year deal, 15-year deal, cash, does that help you underwrite at all or not really? Not really. I don't yeah. because each into because here's the thing with about with people and their loans. I don't know their financial, their whole financial history. I don't so you t- leave that separate. Like, let I them do figure that out. separate the you, loan. You connect part. them with banks, but don't worry about, you just look at the asset itself, the area. Yeah, I'm not a bank. You know. Yeah. yeah, I rely on I rely on our vendor partners, mm-hmm. Chuck Jackson with Guarantee Bank, John Phillips up there with, with Brighton. Brighton Bank. I I rely on our partners to be that expert, mm-hmm. and then when they've got that situated, and they say, "Hey, this is what I can buy for this ten year loan," for 10, then I think I it's my place to step in and say, "All right, let's find that right product mm-hmm. that does that." Now yeah. I want them to bring that to me. I want I want to know. But I don't advise them on go five, go ten, go fifteen because they might be sitting on ten million in cash at home or ten dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just I don't ever know. So I think uh, another good question that I like is is you know who, what kind of people are buying this property? Who's who's buying this product? Yeah, what kind of investor? What, well, no, just what kind of I, I guess investor, but like what kind of is it? Mostly retail. Yeah. Or as an investor, or now we're in bidding wars with investor versus retail buyers, or you know, is it? I don't hit in, that a bunch. Is it hedge funds? I get that. Yeah, we, we run into buying with hedge funds, which you can't compete. 
Well, that's what I was going with. Like, do you do you want to? I mean, you're not gonna get in a bidding war with the hedge funds oh, right we now. Run, no, I run from hedge, because yeah. they don't. The thing with hedge funds is they've got money they got to spend. Oh yeah. And the, if they got a contract date by the end of the month to spend ten million dollars in an area, then they're going to pay market value for a home that we we are not going to do. So is it safe to say if it's not an off market deal that you stay away from, uh, like MLS deals that not stay away from, but. I like You're, MLS deals. MLS deals are fine. You just got to catch them up front. Where, where are you bidding against? Where would you come in uh, contact with the hedge funds? MLS deals. MLS deals. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. They don't typically get it. Now, savvy agents like our buddy in, with Keller in South Haven, mm -hmm. he goes to them first when he'll find something uh, ahead of time, and he goes to his hedge fund client first, and he takes it to him. That's a smart way to do it because if it hits the market, then it's open. But he's he's figured out a niche and a way to mm -hmm. do that. Well, uh, you know, me, I don't have a large hedge client you know, hedge fund client like that, that mm -hmm. buys. So whenever we see something in, in the, in the property that the property that we'd run into is the $140,000 home in Cordova, mm -hmm. you know, that they're willing to pay a buck 45 on to get over because they got to spend the money where we want to pay one thirty. Mm -hmm. So I don't ever, when it comes to hedge funds and, and get into that, I don't, I don't typically, I don't typically get into any of that with hedge funds. Yeah. Uh -uh. No, I think uh, there was a lot of talk about that in Dallas this past weekend. Just their, their coffers are full and, when when they want to buy, you know, just let them buy. It's a faucet. Yeah, on or off. I mean, yeah. Mike tells me all the time. It's like full on or half, or it's done. Done. Yeah. And when they're done, they're not done buying. They're in a capital raise. Yeah, they're just sitting on the sideline for a minute, raising capital, raising capital and then they'll turn, turn the back faucet in. back on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's an amazing thing. And I, uh, you know, him and I talked yesterday for about an hour. This was why he was on my mind. But then mm. they're still going. I mean, he's closing forty one deals this month with hedge fund buyers in our area. Still buying. 41. Uh, how would you and rate? they're selling. Oh, and they're getting rid of some of them. Yeah. So the back end of it is, mm -hmm. man, I got to get involved with that. <laughs> how how would you rate the property location from one to 10? It's not a bad question to ask. You know, what do you get? Put your agent on the spot. Make them make them tell you what they really think from a, a rating standpoint. And the, the, all these kind of questions, Dan, that, that, that investors should be asking are questions that you can come back to me later and hold me accountable for. Mm -hmm. I'm not, this is not a one transaction process and I'm just trying to earn a commission. As I've said many times, we close 25 to 30 of these every single month. Right. I'm not looking to pay. I say this, these exact words, I'm not trying to pay my truck note or mortgage with your commission, Mr. Investor. Right. We've got a, I've got my own book of business that I've built up and we're going, I'm literally trying to help you build wealth, mm -hmm. buy the right properties. Cause I know for a fact, if number, you know, one is not good. You're not coming back for number two or three or three or More. 20. Yeah. If I'm, if I've sold 20 houses to somebody and, and number 21 is terrible, they're mm -hmm. going to be really reluctant to come back for 22 Yeah, because there's no one that I'm just trying to earn a commission. You know, and, and I think this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think you need to understand either the brokerage or that agent. I mean, I think it's really both, but what's their core values? Yep. You know, like I think you need to dig deeper than just the deal mm -hmm. and just their knowledge. I think that what's, what are they going to do when the going gets tough? How are they going to treat you? They are they going to run? run? Are they going to take accountability if they messed up the contract? Are they going to, you know, be diligent on, you know, making sure earnest money is protected? Yep. You know, because the last thing you want to do is get an agent that doesn't, you know, keep up with the timelines and lose thousand dollars. Man, we've seen that so many times over the years. You know, like I, I, I could know. I could name ten agents now that I know have cost their clients earnest money because they didn't keep up with the timeline. Yeah, simple. Yeah. Real estate agent tasks yeah. that you're supposed to be able to do right. that they can't do, and I mean, I I think that goes back into you know, you know, what kind of agent do you have? What's your background? What have you done before? You can kind of glean how long you've been in this business. If you know, you can ask certain questions. I mean, you can set you know, a real estate agent has to have certain you know, and we've learned a lot through culture index our our survey for you know our behaviors that you need somebody that can talk to people. Yep. But you also need somebody that's you know can handle a lot of things at once and be detail somewhat detailed to keep up with that earnest money that's and right. the checklist that oh the appraiser's got to go now and the inspector and and if know. they can't they need a team I'll be honest with you yeah. I don't keep up with that Brooke does but I mean but you used to but I used to uh, you know well, I had to right I mean those were those, those were, were must oh man kid me you imagine if I lost a thousand dollars for club be the last time I heard from him oh, yeah. that's it there's Done. no more. Coming back from it. That's right. Now there's that. There's several things like that that I would make sure to ask. What do you? We got a couple more minutes here. What yeah. 
do you like most about the property and what do you like least about the property? I mean, that's pretty simple cut and dry. I mm-hmm. mean, to me, it just depends on where it's at. But I mean, there's a varying answers, you know, over by the airport. It's because it's by the airport and it's a brick house. You know, mm-hmm. if it's up in Raleigh, it's, well, it's near the Nike plant and it's brick and it's a three bedroom and it's, you know, there's no major, da- whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you need to ask them what they do and don't like. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, uh, to your point, if they're just going comps and can't give you those, you know, if it's, if it's just a, it's a beautiful street and um, the comps, you know, are there. If the you know first I mean? two like, things they bring up are comps and adjectives, yeah, run. Right. Just go to another agent. We need I mean, solid. You need yeah, solid feedback. neighborhood community data that they're giving you. Mm-hmm. But if the first thing they go to is the MLS, that by the way, every licensed agent has access to. Sure. And and they start giving you a bunch of adjectives about the subject about the subdivision. Just they yeah. don't know that they're they're yeah. giving you agent speak, and and unfortunately, they're just not suited for that. Now, maybe if you want to buy your personal home, they might be suited for that, but uh, not for this. You know, and I think that you know, then your agent should be able to tell you based on all this. I don't even think we've talked. Have we talked about price really? I mean, not really. As far no. as like an agent should be able to guide you and say, all right, if we can stick to this range and then match the rehab, you know, they need to be able to tell you, can they tell you like based on pictures and based on agent feedback, yep. rehab is going to be between five and 10. Yep. If they say, I have no clue, you know, like <laughs> that's an issue. That's an issue. You know, like how, you know, they need to give you some general guidance because the last thing you want to do is, is, as an investor is putting out 50. When we really try to hone in our system specifically, because we were running around chickens, like, cause we used to do this. 50 offers trying to get one house, you know, like, no, we've really tried to refine that yeah. by asking the right questions yeah. to a wholesaler or an agent or yeah. whoever it is, you know, a private owner is bringing this, you know, property um, so that we can, you know, intelligently help an investor make a good offer. Yep. You know, I think you're like, I, 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 I don't keep up it exactly, but you know, contracts lost number is probably 15% for you. You know, uh, on average, 10, uh, 10, yeah, fifteen to twenty. We cancel anywhere from eight to thirteen a month. Yeah, so probably fifteen to twenty percent of your contracts canceled. And maybe that's a good question. I hadn't thought of it. You know, like how many contracts do you write per month? Investment. How, how many cancel per month? Because I'm not afraid to cancel a deal for you. Not afraid. No. You know, and how do you, you know, how do you feel about that? What are your thoughts on that? But how do you? What work do you do to make that number? You know, the highest rate success rate possible. Does that make sense? Like, yes. You want that because this that, is a discussion we have in our internal meetings yeah, about like, how can we eliminate we don't want all to have these cancellations. Any. Yeah, I'd love to have none. Which, but they're going to happen because they're of happen. due diligence with rehab bids and stuff that the owner surprises. didn't tell us surprises. So that's going to happen. So, but I think a good question for your agent is how do you mitigate? What's your plan to mitigate to make sure that? You know, we're not just bidding Exposing all across. ourselves too yeah. much and bidding just all over, all over the place with not good success rates. So. Yeah. A lot of it is checking that rehab up front, getting your pictures that you can provided to you up front. Um, cause I'll be, I mean, I'm just Aaron dirty laundry. We used to be 50, 60% cancel, maybe more than that. Really? Back in the day. I mean, we were high, high. So we had to learn, you know? Yeah. So. And I, 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 a lot of it is the property you're writing up to begin with and the area you're writing up to. You should never been with. bidding on that property. Shouldn't be been in this area in this property to begin right. with. But outside of that, I, I, and when I say I'm not scared to cancel a deal, what I mean by that is I'm not afraid to tell you, Mr. Investor or Mrs. Investor, hey, this is too much rehab. Mm-hmm. This area does not hold this and support this. We need to back out of this. Or we need to go get a significant price reduction from our seller right. to make it worth it right, right. or we need to back out of it and and oftentimes i'd say 50 50 the seller's like i know it is yeah i'll reduce it and let's mm-hmm. move on or they were just trying for the they're best they're just trying for yeah. the best they could but they know it's in crap condition so they go, or they say you know what i can't i got a mortgage i got to do this I, you know appreciate it mm-hmm. and we cancel the deal right so i mean that that's you know that's definitely something I would make sure and ask, like, you know, how many deals do you cancel? I would, volume to me is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. You know, how many transactions are you involved with? How many experience? I mean, if they're doing two investment deals a month, it's going to take them a year to get where we are in one month. I mean, I hate to pat ourselves on the back, mm-hmm. but but it's the truth. If they do two or three a year, well, we do that in a month. So right. 
the experience that my team and that we have and that other agents, there's some other agents doing, yeah. you know, more than two a month investment agents up for sure. But we get that experience and we've been doing this now for three years at this pace. So, um, the experience with transactions and how many houses they're seeing and how many contracts they're writing and how many wholesalers and sellers and investors that they're dealing with, the more, the better, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's, you know, you want a guy to cut your grass that's been in the business for 10 years and cutting 200 yards a week, or you want the, the kid out of college that just started and you're his first client. Mm. I mean, that's how cheap it is. Oh, I'm just kidding. Listen to that, <laughs> right? I mean, but it's, it's I get it. that's yeah, one yeah. analogy. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're going to use experience, you know, they've been yep. through it and, and that sort of thing. Uh, what's our last one here? Well, we got one more. Um, I was trying, I lost my train of thought on that. The, the, just the, the, we talked about having experience, talked about, you know, financial advisor, I mean, your agent or, you know, whoever yeah. you're using. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that your agent is really helping you with your education. For sure. You know, they are trying to, you use the example, I think Kelly Williams has that example in one of their books. Like we all, I started on the, the ground floor. I didn't know Jack, didn't know anybody, read a couple of Robert Allen books and thought <laughs> I could and there you go. conquer the world. <laughs> and I learned so many mistakes you know, between insurance issues to maintenance yep. stuff and, you know, taking deposits in lieu of, or not taking deposits that the tenant was going to fix the house. Yep. You know, just crazy stuff. But we're trying to get the investor started on the fifth floor. That's I, that's you know? my analogy when I talk to guys. Hey, we're use a 12-story building. I don't want you in the basement when we mm. first start talking, man. I just <laughs> I was, can't do it. I was I, below the basement. Yeah, I can't, I can't do it. I need you up on the fourth or fifth floor. And what I mean by that is I need you to read some books. I need you to educate yourself. Mm -hmm. I need you to talk to some peers that have been doing this and talk to other agents and talk to property managers. I want you to have a plan together. and 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 I But I want you to come and say something to me when you're in that basement. I'll give you all those tools, areas, biggerpockets.com. I'll give you, mm -hmm. I'll send you a book. We got that uh, cash flow quadrant and the 10X mm -hmm. grant card. I mean, we'll get you books. I mean, I don't, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm all here to help you and to help educate you. I'll give you three or four months to go do that. Then you come back and we revisit and you're on that fifth floor and now we can start making educated decisions on yeah. what's best for you, what's best for your family, and, and, and what's best to help you keep growing. And I love that because I had a, a neighbor when we went to lunch, and he's like, man, I just don't have money. I don't, I'm not ready yet. And I just kind of leave you with that. Like, he, he was not ready, mm -hmm. but he's like, but so I need to wait to get started. I'm like, no, 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 no. You get started today. It's today. Meaning I'll give you 10 books. Yeah, start I'll give you three, three podcasts that you just need to start when you're working out or when you're driving listen so then you get the terminology and people's yeah. mistakes and you just start yeah. then you get your list of questions and yep. the types of properties that you want to be in what cities and i mean yep. there's all kinds of stuff you need to like i mean there's so much that we've learned over the last you know 15 17 18 i don't know yeah I like don't make the 15. mistakes let it, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be been doing this 10 years <laughs> uh don't want to make the mistakes we've made that's right and that's that's We're one help thing you not do that and i think that's important for an agent like to hey dirt Air, be honest. Be yeah. air your dirty laundry. Where did you mess up? What? Tell. I mean, that's we didn't even bring that up as a question. Tell me a time that you, you know, messed up. You messed up with an, a I've client on this air. You know, where a client you know, helped. You know, got him in a deal that just wasn't good. And and what happened? What would you, you know, do? What you do out? to him get him out? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a very. I, you know, I'm glad those are important questions yeah. to ask. Good, good All right, show. man. Dan, thanks for coming yeah, on today. Good. Guys, I appreciate you listening this morning. Uh, uh, top questions to ask your real estate agent. We'll post it here on the YouTube channel, the Crestcore Real Estate Hour. Great topic yeah, today. I think this fun. is extremely beneficial. So I appreciate you guys tuning yeah. in. We will be back next Wednesday here on the Crestcore Real Estate Hour. See you then.